So I wanted to speak with you today about something that God has impressed on my heart, and it is the topic of growing up in Christ. So I wanted to start by just saying, welcome to the family, right? This is a family. As a believer of Jesus, you become a son or daughter um, of God the Father. You are adopted in. You are a brother. You're a sister in Christ. In Psalm 67, 5, it says that he's a father to the fatherless, that he places the lonely in families. So welcome. Whether you've been here for decades, whether you've been here for moments, you are welcome in this family. I wanted to read to you quickly from John 1, uh, verse 12 to 13. And it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Amazing. And uh, Galatians 4. But when the time set, sorry, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. That's pretty incredible stuff. You are so far part and parcel, part of this family, when you believe in Jesus and you become a brother and sister in Christ, that you're also written on the will. Your name's on that will. The inheritance of the kingdom of God. So as children in the family of God, I believe that God is calling us to grow. Now in a family situation, as we grow through the ages and stages of life, our roles and our responsibilities begin to change. So what's expected of a young child within a family is different to what's expected of a grown-up child or a teenager, and what might be considered slave (laughs) labour to a little one (laughs) might be seen as a perfectly appropriate way to pull your own weight as a young man or woman in a family. So as we grow, there's this transition that comes with what's expected of us and our responsibilities. I've heard it said that um, um, this phrase, milk to meat, and there's a verse about this as well, which I'm going to share in a moment, but there, there comes a time where we, we start to move from, you know, being nourished by purely milk as we're infants and that being the only thing that we can digest to growing up and getting our teeth into something a bit meatier, right? Something a bit more uh, solid, a bit more uh, decent in the way of food. So there comes a time, um, this is not necessarily about eating, and sorry to all the vegans and vegetarians out there talking about getting your teeth into meat, Um, but this is about an analogy, because there comes a time when we have to take a responsibility for our own spiritual life and our own personal growth. So I wanted to read to you from Hebrews, I think this one's going to come up on the screen this morning. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So this is kind of in a bit of a negative light here. It's kind of saying, oh, you've gone back a little bit here from, from this meat to the milk again. And so let me frame it this way. If something is alive, it grows, right? There is forward movement. There is, there is life. There is uh, stages and transitions and this constant growth. And in the same way, if something is growing, it's more than likely it's alive. But there are, however, some things in our lives that can stop our growth, things that can cause us to stagnate, things that can cause us, cause us to become stuck. Uh, these things can make us unable to flourish or transition with the changing seasons of life and unable to bear fruit in season. So I'm going to share with you a little story very quickly about my plant in my garden. So I've even brought a picture of my plant to share with you this morning. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so I have loved this plant, right? It's a Geraldton wax. And you might find these flowers in bouquets in the supermarket because they're so pretty. Anyway, I just have really loved this plant. And it's funny through that whole cancer season that Guoco was talking about. This plant was really um, an encouragement to me. I just would sometimes come home from these long days in hospital and I would sit out the back with my cup of tea and just honestly count the blossoms and just it would be this significant thing to me of counting my blessings through that season. And no matter how tough it got, it was just this random little thing that God had given to encourage me through that season. So unfortunately, my plant got a disease, right? So we'd been through the cancer thing and come out the other side, and then my plant got a disease. And it kind of reminded me of cancer, to be honest, because it was like this rust thing that attacked new growth, right? It got in there and it literally started eating away and it, it just started dying. And no matter how much I ch chopped things away and tried to help it, um, it just, I couldn't save the plant. And the whole thing, it was this big bush like this, a nice generous size, full of blooms. Um, it just started dying and to the point where I was like, okay, it's, it's unsalvageable, it's unsavable, the whole thing is just gone brown and dead. And anyway, so do you want to go back to the other one for a minute? Anyway, so I'm there looking at this plant going, ah, that's it. I gave up. For a few, few months I just left it there and I was too heartbroken to kind of think, oh, I've got to do something with that, I've got to pull it out. And then one day I looked out and in this big pile of brown deadness, I noticed that there was a little bit of green, just a little bit of green. And I was like, how could that possibly be still alive? I literally neglected it and haven't watered it for months because I'm like, it's dead. So I went and I looked closer at this plant and that little bit of green was just off one kind of shoot to the side. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to water this and I'm going to see what happens. And I cut away every single bit of dead on that plant and it was left to one spindly stick off the side with this little bit of green and that was it. And I'm like, I'm highly doubtful that it's going to come back, but I'm going to, going to water it anyway. 
So I watered it. I got the plant stuff in the soil and I went and I got the sprays and I started really just going all out trying to bring this thing back to life from the brink. So, um, you know, it wasn't, well, actually it was a really long time <laughs> until that stick started growing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Now, th this plant missed an entire season of flowering. So it usually flowers about now in the winter time. And it missed an entire flowering season. It didn't bear anything because it was just literally trying to come back from this mode of survival and start flourishing again. So a whole season went by with just this little bit of green. Now, um, you can come to the next slide, thanks, <laughs> Kirsten. This is what I found on my plant two days ago. The very first flower in two years. So after an entire flowering season was missed, it's come, literally come back from the brink and it's come back to life. And the whole entire bush that it has now become is covered in flower buds and it's about to just go off, which I'm really excited about. So now people can have these times in their life where, where they are not flourishing, where they are not bearing fruit, where they are not thriving. So when a person stagnates, right, it can actually be a little bit ugly, right? So one little example, just going to throw it out there. Nobody wants to see a 40-year-old baby, right? So now I'm going to show you, even though I just said nobody wants to see it, now I'm going to show you what a 40-year-old man baby looks like. So thank you. <laughs> just brace yourselves a little bit. An adult baby is somebody who enjoys dressing up and acting like a baby. And it could be as young as, you know, you want to be a six month old or you can go up to two or three years old. It's whatever that feels right for you. I associate most with being two years old because I think it's the best of both worlds. You're young enough to still be able to use a crib and a bottle and diapers and all that stuff, but you're also still old enough that you can get around on your own and talk and tell people what you want. Ah, refreshing. Like, what? Are you kidding me? So, yeah, it's pretty full on. So he's made his own, like, adult-sized crib he sleeps in at night. It's full on. Um, yeah, no one wants to really see that. And something about that, when you watch that, something inside you goes, oh, that's not right. There's something just not quite right about that. Um, now, at the end of that, that video, it goes on and explains more about his lifestyle, but... It actually, he actually shares that he had grown up with abuse and this was his way of, you know, going back to a place that was secure and that was safe and for him as an adult, he got stuck and he got stagnated in this place of, of not being able to grow past being a baby and there's just something that we, we feel when we watch that that's just not quite right. Now, newsflash, baby Jesus doesn't exist anymore, right? He's not an immortal baby. He became a grown man and he stepped into his purpose. He sat at the temple as a boy and he listened and he learned. He sought out and soaked up wisdom and truth and godly instruction and even instructed others. He went through pressures and temptation and suffered for the cause of salvation. He endured the cross and he conquered sin and death and started a revolution, right, that changed humanity for 
eternity. Now, you and I are obviously not Jesus. Pressure's off. Phew. (sighs) That's a big shoes to fill. But each of us have our own purpose to fulfill on this earth. We have a calling to grow up into. We have good works that God planned ahead of time for us to do. If you can pop this one up for me. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So I can no longer sit back, right, and look at things around me and go, well, someone needs to fix this. Someone needs to lead that area or someone needs to go and do that and sort of critique everything because the generation above me that I looked up to to guide me is now me. Scary. (laughs) I am now or I can now be that guidance for the next generation coming up under me. So I need to be the one who steps up to the plate and takes responsibility as a mature or maturing Christian. I can't expect everyone to, for example, make my church experience wonderful. Why isn't everyone doing this? That's wrong. That needs to be fixed. I want to be the one who sticks around to make church better for others who need to be served. There's a quote that says, be the change you want to see in the world. We have to be that change. We have to grow up enough to go, there's a need that I can see and I'm going to be the one to step in and to bring change to that area. I'm going to be the one who's going to go and fix that or be that for someone else. So this encouragement for personal and spiritual growth is not age-related. No matter your age, God is not done with you yet. There is never a point where we have arrived where we've now learned all we need to know, and well, that's it, we're good. We're the perfect Christian. Um, I did a university degree. I did a Bachelor of Music, majoring in performance, um, which had like a theological part to it at a Christian university. And do you know what that uni degree taught me? It taught me just how much I don't know. (laughs) And just how much more there is to learn. I just felt like I honestly just scratched the surface of the wealth of knowledge that there is out there. And I just felt smaller and smaller (laughs) the more I learned, which was a really humbling and and beautiful and wonderful place to be. Um, we're, We're lifelong learners. You know, we need to be teachable. We need to be, you know, willing to to learn for a lifetime. So you could be a spiritual mother or father, just thinking about some examples of of things that we could grow up into. You could be someone that is really essential to a young mum or dad that doesn't have spiritual parents to teach or support them. You could be the one to fill that gap. You could be an inga, right? Giving the best mum hugs that a grown woman (laughs) needs (laughs) to make me sob like a baby and bring healing to a broken heart. You could be a Phil who sets up the chairs every morning and as we're here on the stage, we watch him and he's like, talks to himself and he does it and steps it out and he's like, and makes it perfect measurements and, and he serves us so diligently and so faithfully. You could be a Beth, right, who just has a beautiful word of encouragement, just a word in season, 
You could be one of any number of people here. I could honestly pick people out for days because we have a beautiful bunch. But you need to find what your purpose is and you need to level up. So what you've learned in your pain, perhaps, could be just what someone else needs to hear to get them through their tough situation. Absolutely nothing is wasted in God. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So oftentimes, to grow, we actually need pain. It's not a fun thing to hear. So sometimes we need those pressure cooker situations. Pressure produces diamonds and precious stones. Sometimes we need godly discipline. Sometimes we need the valleys. Sometimes we need, and this sounds really weird, but sometimes we need darkness, dark times. Because in those times, something sparks, something can spark in us. It might spark a bit of a fight in your spirit. It might spark a bit of hope. It might spark, you know, the need to dive into God's word. It might spark the very light that you need. Um, I wanted to pop this quote up from Christine Kane. Thank you. It says, sometimes when you find yourself in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but actually you've been planted. So if you can go to the next verse. This is from John 16.33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So there's a, there's a promise there. And oftentimes we think about the promises of God as being yes and amen and woo, all the good stuff. But there's actually something here that's essentially a promise. It says, in this world you will have trouble. <laughs> we don't want to take that one. This is a meaty one. We've got to sink our teeth into this a little bit. But the rest of it is, take heart, I have overcome the world. There's no trouble that Jesus cannot walk with you through. So perhaps today you might need a perspective shift. That that trouble that you're dealing with just might actually be an ideal set of circumstances that will cause the hard exterior of your seed your shell, to crack open and produce new life. God can make incredible things bloom out of your hardship, your disappointment, your tough season or trial. So God is not, is definitely not looking down on us from heaven, pointing his finger at us and saying, well, you just need to grow up, <laughs> right? He's not throwing us purposely into hardship without a care, saying, well, that'll teach them a lesson, right? You just go and learn the hard way then. That is not the heart of God. Our God is a good God. God will never lay on us more than we can bear. He wants to nurture us, to guide us, to instruct us, to show us the way as a loving father. He is kind. He wants to lead us beside still waters. He wants to draw near to us. A father gives good gifts to his children. 
Matthew 7:11 says, "If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him?" He's a good God. He wants to discipline us because we are sons and daughters in his house that he loves. This verse in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone that he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And in other versions, that last line says, so that what is lame may not be dislocated and um, I read quite a number of versions and it kind of gave me this image of um, God just straightening that path and allowing our feet to walk solidly in healing. So you are a child of God. We are sons and daughters in the house of God. We are carried. We are sustained in our pain, in our heartache, in hard situations and we are held. One of my favourite verses of all time, and this is one that 100% carried me through um, that cancer season with our son, is Isaiah 46.4, and it says, Even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Just let that sink in. No matter what you go through, you are a son, you are a daughter, you are a child of God, and he will carry you, he will sustain you, he will uphold you. He's got you. I'm on my last page. (laughs) All right. So we are loved beyond measure. Our names are written in the palm of his hands. His thoughts towards us outnumber the grains of sand on the shore. We can come to his throne room with confidence. The curtains in that temple were torn on the day that he was crucified, giving us access to his very presence. His Holy Spirit is our precious gift. He's a good God. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So our God loves us, right? Sometimes to love someone is to give them a little bit of a push, right? Sometimes to love someone is to give them a little bit of hard truth in love. It's to encourage them through fear and infuse them with faith that you can do hard things. Sometimes we have to allow ourselves to be given a push from others, trusted people in our circle. Or indeed, give ourselves a push. (laughs) Go and have that hard conversation. Go and make the godly choice, even though it might hurt or it might take sacrifice. Go and do the hard thing that you know that you need to do to be able to grow. And you know what? We usually do know exactly what we need to do. (laughs) The Holy Spirit right now, I believe, will start to impress on you if he hasn't already. (laughs) Those little things that you need to do to level up in your spiritual journey with God. Um, I was going to share a little story. I'm going to make it as quick as I can because (laughs) my hubby, we actually didn't talk about, um, I didn't know what he was going to share his testimony on. So I had a little story that I wanted to share from hospital with Zach. I'm going to make it quick. So there was a time where, so if you don't know, I was heavily pregnant. (laughs) I found out that I was pregnant and then seven days later, Zach was diagnosed with leukaemia. So that was a really crazy season in our life. And then shortly after that, within the month, um, COVID took off globally around the world. And it was just a really layered season of craziness (laughs) for us. And it was, um, yeah, the depths and the valleys and the things that we walked through that time, it's hard to explain. So um, anyway, I was in hospital with Zach at this point. We were doing high-dose methotrexate, um, which was basically there was 16 days that we had to stay in hospital. It was broken up into lots of four. And in one of those lots of four, I was, um, you know, seven, probably going on eight months pregnant. Everything was very uncomfortable, sleeping on hospital beds with a giant pregnant belly. It was really difficult. And it was a difficult pregnancy. I was in pain a lot of the time. And... um, Anyway, so I was um, coming back from just having... Zach was on a bed and we'd just wheeled him back from the operating theatre. He'd just woken up from having a lumbar puncture. He had quite a number of those and um, they actually put chemo straight into your spinal column. And um, that goes up and apparently the blood is different in your spinal... I never knew the things you learn... um, So that blood goes to your brain, whereas the blood in the rest of your body is separate and it's to protect your brain. And so they had to make sure that the cancer cells weren't going to spread from one place to the other because obviously if cancer gets in your brain, it's a whole lot more serious. So anyway, so we had these routine um, operations where he went um, under general anaesthetic and a giant needle in his spine to put chemo in 
there to, yeah. Anyway, so that happened and we were just walking out of one of those and I'm waddling along with my big belly like this and I'm talking to the nurse, just making light conversation and she's like, oh, you know how pregnant are you? And I'm telling her about that and then... Um, one thing that we'd hoped at the start of this journey was we were like, okay, I'm pregnant, this is happening. They're, they're telling us it could be like six months of this intensive chemotherapy, so we'll be done. By that time, we'll be all done. We'll, we'll then be able to go on and have the baby and things will be a bit cruisier from there on in till we finish that two-year treatment journey. No. <laughs> uh-uh. So... Um, I was more pregnant than I thought I was and ended up finding out when I was two months along already. And um, so, yeah, the, that time frame didn't happen and we had two months left, uh, the, roughly, um, of this chemo to go um, whilst having a newborn. So I'm telling this nurse how nervous I am about that and, oh, you know, this is going to be really tricky to have a newborn at the same time as this intensive chemo is still happening. And she just looked at me and she said, oh, well, you're going to have to put your big girl pants on, aren't you? So I was a bit, like, shocked, a bit taken aback, and I was a bit incensed, to be honest. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> and I'm like, do you realise? Have you seen me? Have you seen him? My kid's here, like, we just wheeled him out of theatre and her hair, blah, 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 woe is me. Put your big girl pants on. <laughs> Do you know what? That was the best advice I ever got. <laughs> and it kept coming back to me over and over and over again when I was going through the time where I'm giving birth and, yes, guess what, my daughter... This birth was really significant and different because she was born in the car. We didn't make it to the hospital. You know, God just wanted to give me something to laugh about because... (laughs) And and do you know what? It was the most joyous, incredible birth of all my three and it was wonderful and I wouldn't take it back and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, But do you know what? Putting my big girl pants on was exactly what I needed to do over and over again. When my newborn baby was three weeks old and my husband was gone for eight days solid and I didn't get to see my son for those eight days after he nearly died. And then again, another week would go by and he'd be off in hospital again for another week, another week. By the time she was eight, um, eight weeks old, um, he'd missed out on three weeks of her life. So those are really young, you know days that you don't want to miss but I was there at home on my own with my beautiful girl and I put my big girl pants on and I did it (laughs) thank you (laughs) so (laughs) let's bring this back a little bit so I put my big girl pants on and I dug in to the peace of God which transcended my understanding and it carried me, and it upheld me, and it upstained, it sustained me. God is calling us, he's calling you to grow, to be released from the past. He wants to take you to the next level. Um, my little Bonnie, who's just turned three, uh, she's been doing swimming classes and she keeps going up one level to the next level and she's so excited about it. She's like, Mom, I'm going to the next level. It's just really cute the way she says it. God wants us 
to go to the next level in our spiritual walk with him. He wants you to leave some things behind. Let go of some things you may be holding on to that are stopping you from receiving what he next has in store for you. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you now? What is the next level for you on your journey of growing up into all he has for you and all he wants you to be? Life and growth are part and parcel with each other. If you want growth, then right now you need to seek the giver of life. Let's read from John 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come. Jesus has come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus died so that we could have life. He came to this earth so that, so that we could live to the full. He wants us to grow. Amen. 